there. You're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. In light of yesterday's special episode that came out, um, today's episode will be much shorter than normal um, and will cover announcements, um, some reminders, and a um, reading, an excerpt from a book that I have been reading and um, I just felt it was it was fitting given the specific times that I have currently been in over the last several days um, and those members in my support group Um, and so I want to share that with you in just a bit as well but first um, couple of announcements. Uh, I believe, I don't believe, I know (laughs) that I have announced that a validation workshop is coming and um, as well as an online Zoom support group is coming for estranged moms. And so I wanted to give a little bit more information on those. Um, In addition to announcing that I will also be um, hosting a an amends letter writing workshop as well. So let me get into those specifics first. The validation workshop will be on August 28th. That is a Sunday. And um, if you are interested in the specific details of that workshop, please email me and I'll put my email address in the show notes so you'll have it as a reference point there but also I can just let you know it's theestrangedheart at gmail.com and um, that workshop will be about an hour and a half in length and the highlights from that workshop will be um, what is and isn't validation why it's important Um, the barriers to validation and how to remove them and how to actually practice validation. Um, So that, again, will be on August 28th. The amends letter writing workshop, excuse me, will be in November. Um, Tentatively planned right now for November the 19th. That is a Saturday. And... um, what will be covered in that workshop will be what is and is not an amends letter. Um, why it's why write one, right? That's a question I get often: is why should I write one? And we'll we'll go over that. Um, we'll go over intentions and expectations regarding an amends letter. We'll review the pitfalls um, that often come up when writing an amends letter and the um, effective components 
of writing an immense letter. And um, I can tell you that I've had several clients who I've worked with on um, writing immense letters and um, many of them have had success in reconciling in part because of the immense letter. Um, but also those who have not yet reconciled have had doors opened that were previously slammed shut um, regarding communication with their estranged adult child. So if you're interested in that workshop, please again, email me and I'll put you on the list um, and an email will come out regarding that. Again, the email is theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Um, and then the online support group meetings will begin um, on Saturday, September the 3rd, and those will be every other week at this point. Um, they'll go on for a month or so, and we'll re-evaluate on whether or not the need is to go weekly, or if bi-weekly is fine, um, but that, again, will be an online support group via Zoom and not through Facebook. Um, there will be a, um, I, I don't want to say vetting, but I'm being very intentional in who joins this group um, because it's there's going to be work involved in it. It's not just going to be a place where people can come and just vent and um, release the pain and spew anger and you know that type of thing. There's a there's a time and a place for all of that, but for this particular group, um, I'm being very intentional in the things that will be covered, the things we'll talk about, um, and how to actually move forward and get out of being stuck in the pain of estrangement. So if you're interested in that, again, please email me to be put on that um, email list and you'll be notified on the next steps for that. And again, that will start on um, September the 3rd. Also, I am still searching for estranged adult children who might be interested in a highly vetted new support group um, for both estranged parents and estranged adult children, though not of the same family. Um, if you are interested in that, if you know of an estranged adult child who might be interested, please reach out to me. Um, again, I have several moms who are interested in, in being in a group like this. And I know that there's at least one other online group out there, such as this one. Um, but it's uh, this one that I will create is um, very different. Um, and again, heavily vetted um, with, again, purpose and intent in moving through the pain of estrangement, not getting stuck in it, and no finger pointing and blaming and judgment, but coming into it via a sense of curiosity. So if that is appealing to you, please, again, reach out via email, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. And um, again, just thank you for those of you who have um, reached out and offered support in a variety of different ways. Um, I thank you for that, for your belief in the work that I do. I could not do it without the help of others. I'm a firm believer that none of us get anywhere in life without the help of others. 
on some level, whether it's one person, 50 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, it doesn't matter. We all need help. And I des desperately need help um, when it comes to certain parts of the work that I do with estranged moms and estranged adult children. And so I thank you to those of you who, um, who have reached out and offered that support. And finally, before the reading, I wanted to kind of give you um, a lay of the land on what's to come over the next several months with this podcast. I'm, we are rapidly approaching the one-year anniversary of the Estranged Heart podcast. And in between now and that anniversary, lots of different things are happening in my world, which will then affect um, some of the, of the ways that I produce episodes. And so I wanted to kind of give you the heads up on that. What I have chosen to do because I have so much going on, meaning I'm offering these workshops, I'm starting this online support group for estranged moms, um, in addition to working my full-time regular day job, and I will be moving house as well in the middle of all of this. So um, in a way for to help me to prep and prepare for that, I am going to be releasing episodes, um, the highly the most highly ranked episodes um, from those from listeners. Um, I'm will be re-releasing those episodes every other week starting in September, so um, I'm sorry, starting in August, August, September, and October. And the off weeks of those, I will produce a new episode that will piggyback off of the previous episode. So in other words, there are, there are a handful of episodes that have already been released that are highly ranked, listened to often, and that I get the most questions about. And so I will basically be doing a follow-up to those episodes. So the previously recorded episode will air on one week. The following week will be a follow-up um, to that previous episode. And then the next week will be another highly um, listened to previously recorded episode. And then following that week will be a follow-up to that one. So that's what's going to be happening for those of you who have been around and have been listening to this podcast for a bit of time you're going to going to hear some things again that you've already heard um, and so if you're new coming in um, I want you to be aware of that um, you are always welcome to go back and start listening to the podcast from from the very first episode and move you know move forward from that point I just want you to be aware of, of what is happening, that you know things are going to be a little different over these next three months, just because I need some extra space and time in order to get the things done that I need to get done um, on a personal level. And I appreciate your patience and understanding where that is concerned. After the one-year anniversary of the Estranged Heart Podcast, things will pick back up as they have been and with new episodes for season two. Um, so be, be watching for those. Okay, so for this reading, um, this book is titled, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and it's by Zen Erlinson. Um, he has a master's degree in divinity, um, I believe he also has a master's degree in, I think it's mathematics. Um, 
anyway, this book is gold. If you can get it, I highly recommend it. Um, he is the creator of the Badass Counseling. Um, he's on social media. Um, if you, if curse words are offensive to you, then you probably are not going to want to, to hear what he has to say. Um, nonetheless, um, I'm not easily offended by, by curse words. Um, I used to be a police officer and I think I've heard every, everything that's out there and I don't take that personal. So I mine through what he says and to find the gold. And it, this book is filled with gold as are his, um, postings on social media and such. Uh, he is, he's just phenomenal. And so I wanted to read this one chapter out of the book to you. And I hope that you will find it informative. Um, I hope that you'll listen with a curious ear and that you'll be inspired to, um, to, to purchase the book. And I get no kickbacks. This man does not know me from Adam, <laughs> um, nor does anyone in his, his world know me. This is strictly my own personal interest and appreciation of his work that he does. So the, this chapter is titled Becoming Truest Self and Unleashing Greatness. So where are we? What the heck is really going on inside each one of us? What is it that really, really, really drives us to therapy? What is it we are really seeking? It's not the desire for security, though that is a big driver for many lives. It's not wealth, though that has appeal too. Further, what we really seek is not even the meaning of life. As we age inch by inch, year into year, we realize that what we really seek from this life is the experience of aliveness. We want to feel fully alive just once, or we long to maybe even feel on fire and passionate about life for a long time, maybe even for good. And by the time we get around to wanting therapy, we realize how much aliveness we've lost, whether we've lost time, lost energy, or just lost our own self and sense of being real. It is that sense of invigoration that we seek, that vitality and that feeling truly on fire for life and all that it holds. It's important, I'm sorry, it's more than mere joy or even inner peace. Aliveness includes happiness and peace, yet it also includes this flare of true excitement. Not every minute of every day, but an overarching feel, day in and day out, that life is finally, truly, fully in blossom. Simultaneously exciting, calm, and largely effortless. That's what we're all really seeking, aliveness. Where aliveness isn't. With my more rogue clients, those who aren't as comfortable with the fuzzy spiritual language, which is the greater preponderance of my clientele. I describe it as the desire we all have to get high. We are all trying to get high on life. We really are. That's why we gamble, acquire more and more possessions, go out to eat incessantly, overwork, do drugs, have kids, get into religion, book vacations, overexercise, go to every Springsteen or Fish concert, 
and do almost every manner of human activity. Everything is an attempt to, in some form or another, get high. But why? Generally, we seek to get high because life sucks so badly that we seek escape. It bores us, numbs us, or just bleeds all the life from us. So we desire to feel something, anything. We're seeking something lasting in the arms of something temporary. Or life is so intense and painful that we seek to get numb, check out, or forget for a minute all that afflicts us so we can finally breathe for a moment. It's why people get hyper addicted to sports teams or even horror movies, for instance. It's the desire to feel something. It's the reason people gamble or become over-involved in their children's lives, either living vicariously through them, pushing them to get new achievements, which the parent can then draft off or enmeshing in them using them for affection needs and or even emotional approval and problem solving. And I want to just side note, bring attention back to that because I think that this, I see this a lot in um, estrangement experiences um, for what led to the estrangement, right? Um, is the, again, this desire to feel something. It's the reason I'm repeating from the book. It is the reason people gamble or become overly involved in their children's lives, either living vicariously through them, pushing them to get new achievements, which the parent can then draft off of, or enmeshing in them, using them for affection needs and or even emotional approval and problem solving. This is the big reason people cheat in relationships, do drugs, drink heavily, or engage in the several hours of binging and purging of bulimia, for example, for those brief hours, the incessant churning of the mind, the constant negative thoughts, beliefs, and other life-killing energies gets turned off. There is release, albeit momentarily. And when these activities, such as binging and purging, or even excessive pot smoking or gambling, become life-consuming, when the quest for escape is literally unceasing, it becomes very easy to focus on that behavior as the problem in your life, as if the addiction itself is the real problem. Most therapies try to get rid of the addiction or bad behaviors so that the person can be more esconded in his, his or her life when it, is, when it was that life that drove them to bad behaviors in the first place. However, the real problem is the underlying belief system you have about yourself. That is what's driving the problem. Those mad escape activities have been your friend, in a manner of speaking, getting you through the very hard life of living with what's going on inside you. Those messed up and consuming behaviors will almost effortlessly go away if the real root of the problem is addressed and taken care of. Destroy the debilitating core beliefs and create and new creation follows in its wake. Let me repeat that. Destroy the debilitating core beliefs and new creation follows in its wake. You no longer need to run from or numb yourself from life because you have created a life that you want to be engaged in more and more. But again, that only happens when 
you have gone down to the very bedrock of your soul where the self-destructive core beliefs are pressed into the firmament of your existence. Anything less will be a half solution created by not going deep enough. And half solutions look pretty for a while, but eventually feel forced and fall flat long term. Continuing in this thread of where is aliveness, where aliveness isn't, far too easily in America we wrap our happiness only in terms of the standard American dream sort of things. House, family, cars, title, great career, vacations, and dinners out. If I can get just everything, have everything, then I'll be happy and have peace. We think once I get success and money, then I can be who I want to be and do the things I want to do. And that thinking is always driven by someone trying to prove themselves to someone else first and then being who they really want to be. Mistakenly, though, they're not aware of it. They think approval must precede authenticity as if permission to be real must be first given by an external source. That thinking is always, at its core, driven by the fear of living authentically now. Only when I've proven my worth to others can I live my truth for me. And that's a path that rarely ends well or comes without pain, no matter how much we're sold on its merits by society. This absorption into the American dream and its supposed promise of happiness can last decades, but eventually the veneer fades, the promises we thought it held erodes. Whether we can articulate it as such or not, we realize that things we seek to have get us high only for a short time. Now, I'm all for the American dream, but not as the primary source of happiness and love. American dream-related acquisitions are never enough to satiate what we really seek deep down. One of the first, one of the grand cliches in my work is the number of people who have had a house, boat, title, vacations, great kids, great spouse, great career, etc., and yet are utterly empty inside and numb. We long for aliveness now. Yet, very young, we begin getting our wings clipped bit by bit, year by year. People want to rein us in, control us, make us easier for them to tolerate, deal with, or manipulate on their ends. But our soul calls out to us each day, longing to be set free, longing to fly at full wingspan, longing for that lasting happiness and peace today, now, in the present, not some distant future. Essentially, the soul is calling you to proclaim and live your worth now, rather than waiting to somehow gain approval and worth from some arbitrary figure from your past or present, a waiting that rarely yields the fruit of it desires. And the simple truth is that ain't nobody else gonna fall in love with you till you fall in love with you. Not only that, we seek flow, that feel that life has picked up positive momentum that carries us along, that we no longer have to grind the pedals one more crank to get the bike to move just a few more feet. 
What we further discover with age is that nearly all of the attempts to get high end. We seek something lasting, but keep running into highs that burn out. And more often than not, we crash. There's a hangover. Whether it's gambling, cheating, smoking grass, boozing, absorption in your children, excessive fitness or yoga, sports obsession, or just about anything else, there's always a hangover, a come down, a grand letdown. The high, it seems, never last. We discover what we really want is a high that no hangover, that has no hangover, but has carryover from one day to the next, perhaps even from one year to the next. And if we've really done our life homework, releasing the pain of the past and changing our core beliefs, we no longer need a high that enables us to escape the past. We grow quite content with a high that is not so sharp and vertical, perhaps less high, but more enduring, more lasting. We seek that vigor and excitement with flow, with inner calm and without crash. That desire to never come down is what drove the escalation of your obsessions in the first place, always more, always higher, always something to drag you out of tomorrow's inevitable crash. And it is not only possible, but necessary for the feeling, for feeling like life is well spent. A sense, a sense of true aliveness in this life is very doable, but it demands doing a bit of work. Three things in particular. First, every piece of your past that created the crud in your soul is a memory, right? But each memory has an emotional charge, either positive, negative, or neutral. Sort of like an atom, every atom comes with a charge. That's why some memories come with positive feelings, some have the power to make you feel yucky, and some are just memories, thoughts without any effect or feeling at all. And it, it, it is the charge, not the memory itself, that is doing the damage to your soul and life. Negatively charged memories have a weight to them that drags you down from the inside. The greater the accumulation, the greater the heaviness. Thus, the first step to aliveness is to decharge the memories to remove the negative charges they carry. Can you imagine having lots of memories of different life events, but not getting agitated inside or sad or mad or frustrated when you recall the memory? Can you imagine just having a lifetime of memories without the heaviness many of them bring? It is tremendously freeing and light. But that quest for lightness of the soul also means selectively re releasing the positively charged memories too. Why? Think about it. Positively charged memories actually have the power to hold you back, slow you down, and keep you looking backwards rather than forwards. And I will say that this, as a side note, I see this a lot with estranged moms, right? And looking back and being stuck back there instead of being able to release and move forward. We've all had the experience of thinking back on the loving memories of an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and to find ourselves obsessing and thinking, what if? We've all experienced life-stopping or love-stopping moments. Love life-stopping because we're 
so consumed with loving, warm, happy, positive thoughts of some ex. Well, that is a perfect example of positively charged memories actually being destructive to our life, our forward movement, and our growth. Another example, we often make life harder today by focusing on how great life used to be. And I see this a lot with estranged parents as well. The destruction wrought by relative success and relative happiness comes not from comparing ourselves to those around us, as it is too often the case with many people, but to a past happier version of ourselves or a past version who seemed to have so many more opportunities in front of him or her, or we stay fixated on a childhood home or the glory days of college or the previous successes. Second, and far more importantly, true aliveness demands destroying the impact of those past negative experiences, particularly the impact on your core beliefs. This is huge. Huge. Your core beliefs are fundamentally, fundamentally the operating system that drives your entire life, whether you are aware of them or not. Most people aren't. We have stories, memories, and values about life that we remember know and consider part and parcel of our being and existence but below that are the imprints beliefs and non-memories events that occurred and messages that were received but none of which are remembered or consciously understood that are innate to who we are but are completely unknown to our conscious mind Unearthing, identifying, and hopefully changing those core beliefs require either a spiritual, not religious, pro, or a disciplined commitment of time and energy to do it oneself using proper tools. However, the absolute core and most important element of the spiritual counseling is the changing of one's core belief. Without that most fundamental change, nothing else changes or even matters. Third, Moving into a state of true aliveness also demands living in full concert with your own intuition, tuning into your body, your feelings, and what, you, what feels right inside of you, no longer allowing your power source to be outside of you and someone else, be it parents, spouse, boss, children, friends, or society. It is to finally be governed by the quiet whispers of your soul and not the fears tumbling around in your head or the negativity and expectations of those around you. At the core of your being is your truest self. And down there, it finds union with the pulse of the universe itself. Whether you're aware of it or not, what's most missing in your life is the relationship with your own self. To fully commune with your own deepest and truest self is what it means to finally be fully alive deadness comes from disconnect from your true self as written on your soul all the external trappings of life cannot come anywhere near the life satisfaction that comes from full communion with the spirit of the universe lying deep inside you whispering with a voice indistinguishable from your very own For decades, I have counseled some of the world's wealthiest people, as well as street people. I have counseled faculty at the top universities in the world, as well as struggling teens and 20, those in their 20s, top Olympians and the physically infirm, the boldest and the most afraid, the oldest and the youngest.
the intrepid and the intimidated, the successful and the struggling, as well as couples struggling so violently to save or fight for their relationship. Additionally, 30 years ago, I was a math major and religious studies major in college, and my master's degree is in divinity, spirituality. If there's one thing my math and science history gave me, it's a nose for patterns. And if there's one thing the decades in spirituality and religions brought, it's my love of the human soul. So that's the what I wanted to read. It, it was a little longer than I thought it would be, but I hope that you found some nuggets within that. Please feel free to go back and listen to it again. Um, I have read this particular chapter about 10 different times um, and I find something new every time that I read it and I think that there's valuable nuggets of gold there for estranged parents um, well really estranged any estranged person right and I am hoping that by talking about feeling alive this coming on the heels of yesterday's special episode I hope that um, this kind of um, closes up this particular mm, experience and challenges that we've had, um, those of us in my group and myself over this last week. Um, our purpose here is to be, be alive. And uh, if I can help in any way to help you to find that aliveness, then that, that's me serving part of my purpose here on this earth. So this brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you were able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, or becoming a financial supporter. You can also follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out via email to theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Until next time.